Teacher Talks break down the uncertainty facing another new school year. Unanswered questions at the gas price inquiry. Prices in the metro Vancouver area are higher by an unexplained 13 cents a litre. The mysterious premium we pay in B.C. And student living in only 140 square feet. A lot of my friends are actually pretty jealous. Why UBC nano suites are a big hit. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. Just days until the start of the new school year and the teachers' contract negotiations have hit a major snag. Mediated contract talks between the provincial government and the BC Teachers Federation have been put on hold. Keith Baldry is in Victoria tonight with the details. Keith, there was a lot of optimism, it seemed, from both mm -hmm. sides that they could reach a deal before the first day of school next week. Yeah, mediator David Schaub, though, came to a completely different conclusion today when he met with the two parties, informing them, informing them that they're so far apart, he doesn't see any reason to continue talking, which is why he's asked to put off those talks and resume them on September 23rd. Given the acrimonious history of BCTF contract talks, this is not an entirely surprising development. But one thing is different is the temperature in this, this dispute is much lower. Both sides issuing statements today. Rob Fleming, the education minister, issued a statement today saying, we respect and support the rights that the Supreme Court gave back to the parties to bargain language, and that's exactly what the parties are doing. He went on to further add, this pause will give both sides time to reflect and let the school system focus on getting kids back into the classroom. And then he disclosed something interesting. BCPC has proposed options, including one where there is a 2-2-2% wage increase and no change to the language. First time we've heard that from the employer's side. Now, the TF responded with their own statement, uh, BCTF President Terry Moring, saying the BCTF has been clear that rolling back our restored language which is not something we will entertain. And she goes on to say this break in mediation will give our local teachers associations time to hold general meetings and get all members up to date on where things stand. No vote on job, job action has been authorized at this time. That's another noticeable difference from the last mm -hmm. dispute. And that might be a relief, Keith, to a lot of parents who are dreading the thought of another strike. Yeah, and I can't emphasize this enough, talking to both sides. There is no appetite for a strike here or job action from the TF. Uh, things are proceeding much slower here than they did in previous rounds of talk. The government now disclosing that they're willing to basically give the TF a rollover contract, take the old contract and just roll it over and give them a 6% wage increase with a few other little bells and whistles over three years. But according to the mediator, they're much further apart than that. So hopefully this sort of pause button uh, will give both sides to time to reflect and they come back with probably different attitudes. All right, we'll see what happens. Keith Baldry right. reporting in Victoria. Thank you. Another major story today. After weeks of investigating our province's steep gas prices, we are no closer to understanding why BC has the highest prices in the country. The inquiry actually exposed a mystery. 13 cents of every liter you pay is unaccounted for. John Waugh goes through the frustrating findings. It's the buzzkill many British Columbians face heading into a long weekend. It is kind of frustrating to see. Come on, it's craziness. And the feeling many have in the pit of their stomachs that drivers are being fleeced at the pumps is now only being fueled by the provincial government. What this report confirms is that they indeed are being gouged. That report, the result of the BC Utility Commission's gas and diesel price inquiry. The key findings, some of the extra costs BC drivers are paying 
can't be explained. I think that's a bit like weird and odd that we don't know where our bunny is paying for. And the unexplained price difference isn't chump change. In southern BC, people are paying a mystery 13 cents per liter. It's an extra six cents per liter in northern BC. You put that all together and British Columbians are paying $500 million more per year and no one has any idea where it's going. If there is an explanation and it, can, it could be brought forward, then it would no longer be an unexplained difference. For the average 60-litre gas tank in Metro Vancouver, that mystery cost adds up to $7.80 a fill-up. This was a total sham. It was, it was a process designed to try to blame oil and gas companies and small independent retailers and gas stations, and when in fact uh, the government did not want to look at their own policy and their own taxation. While the BC NDP is blaming wholesale suppliers for controlling the market and roller coaster price fluctuations on retailers, don't expect a quick fix at the fuel pumps. Intervention in the market in a regulatory sense is uh, something that one does very cautiously. So with a mystery surcharge on gas and no obvious solutions, British Columbians will continue to fill up at the pumps, only to fuel their level of frustration. John Hua, Global News. And as you might have noticed, like clockwork, the prices at the pump have jumped just in time for the Labor Day long weekend. On Thursday, gas stations in Metro Vancouver were charging around $1.40 per litre. Overnight, those prices rose to $1.529 and are expected to go up another couple of cents tomorrow. The long weekend price hikes have become so commonplace, a recent poll found 57% of B.C. families say those increases impact their long weekend plans. A North Okanagan man fighting deportation is allowed to stay in Canada for now. The Vernon man, who was originally from Iran, was convicted in an elaborate online fraud scheme seven years ago. Now, despite his record, immigration officials are letting him remain in B.C. And that's not sitting well with some people from his past. Aaron MacArthur reports. Actum, or Bob Yosef, will now be allowed to stay in Canada. The man, convicted in Alberta as part of an elaborate fraud ring dating back to 2008, the permanent resident facing deportation to Iraq. According to an immigration judge, he now has a three-year stay. And now he knows that he doesn't have it hanging over his head right now. Now he knows he has an opportunity to demonstrate that he's worth keeping. Yusuf and others were convicted of selling rare and vintage cars online to people in the United States. Hundreds of thousands of dollars changed hands, but there were no cars. Yosef's ex-wife, not surprised by Friday's decision. I know how many people have been impacted by him, and so if he's here, then maybe some of those wrongs can be righted. But his family going so far as to attend the immigration hearing in Vancouver. They support the decision to keep him here, but only if he makes good on what he owes. At least now, if the conditions are proper with the stay of proceedings, he will be under a microscope. In the end, the immigration minister's representative and defense agreed to a joint submission for a three-year stay, probation of sorts. According to his lawyer, a chance for Actum Yosef to restore his reputation. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. RCMP are investigating what appears to be a targeted shooting in South Surrey. Two vehicles outside a home on 164th Street near 25th Avenue have visible bullet holes. They were reported to police this afternoon, several hours after they were initially discovered. Investigators say there were no reports of shots fired and they don't believe anyone was hurt. 
If you have information or security camera footage of the area, you should contact RCMP or Crime Stoppers. And just three days after the city of White Rock reopened its historic pier, someone has stolen a commemorative plaque from the east side of the promenade. Police believe it was taken on or before August 15th, and they're asking anyone who has any information to contact them. Well, this evening, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will officially be confirmed as the nominee in Burnaby South. But as the October election approaches, his party is struggling. Jordan Armstrong joins us with more on this. Jordan, the NDP are having trouble drumming up support. Even some key new Democrats in this province are glad-handing one of his key opponents. That's right, Sophie. A big night for Jagmeet Singh here and a unique night for New Democrats because even though we're less than two months away from the election, the party hasn't had a ton of these nomination events. The NDP is struggling to attract candidates. They are well behind the others. Let's take a look at the numbers. These are the numbers from officials at each party's headquarters as of Thursday. The Conservatives are best prepared with candidates ready to go in almost all of the 338 ridings. Maxime Bernier's People's Party is next best with 340. 14 candidates. Then comes the Green Party with 274, followed by the governing Liberals at 273 candidates. But Jagmeet Singh's NDP have only found candidates for 148 ridings, less than half of what they'll need. Another issue that is sure to be causing headaches for some in the party is the fact that two high-profile New Democrats in B.C. have spent the last two days meeting and posing for photos with the Liberal Prime Minister. Yesterday, Justin Trudeau referred to Premier John Horgan as his friend. And this morning, Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart, a former NDP MP, embraced Trudeau as he arrived at City Hall to talk about a range of civic issues. Of course, both Stewart and Horgan have clashed with the PM over Trans Mountain, but now it seems they're all smiles. Uh, we're going to have a discussion about a number of issues, um, including housing, I hope, uh, the overdose crisis and uh, transportation. Just wanted to thank the Prime Minister for all his work uh, on the housing crisis here, including a record $184 million investment announced last uh, earlier this month, as well as uh, his government's work on the overdose crisis, uh, really helping us to reduce the deaths due to overdose uh, with uh, record investments here, as well as uh, legislative change. So, once political foes now on the same page, heck, they even dress the same today. It, the event for Jugmeet Singh starts just before 7 o'clock tonight. It will be interesting to see who shows up to support him. Sophie. Mm -hmm. It sure will be. All right, thanks for that, Jordan. Oh, my God! Well, the yearly PNE tradition is back. My wild ride with Squire while trying to eat lunch. Most of it came up later on the news hour. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. Also coming up, the latest on the growing power of Hurricane Dorian and its impact on North American travel. That's later on the news hour. Right now, though, a Vancouver Island Pathfinder has helped change the rules when it comes to earning high school credits for guide activities. It used to be that girl guides had different rules than Boy Scouts and received fewer credits for similar achievements. But that's no longer the case. Effective September 1st. Jill Bennett explains why.
Entering the arena now, our Chief Commissioner, Pamela Perfecto-Wright. There are 18,000 girl guides in B.C. Recently, one member of the group, a 12-year-old on Vancouver Island, noticed something didn't add up. And she shared with me that she felt that she and her friends should get a lot more credit for the hard work that they put into their Girl Guide Awards. A quick search of other clubs, those that are either all boys or have a higher percentage of boys, such as scouts and cadets, showed they were getting double the high school graduation credits under the B.C. government's external credits program. Our Girl Guide Awards were only worth two credits each, which was only half of a course, whereas other youth organizations were receiving four, particularly organizations that served um, male youth. So the Girl Guides sent a letter to the Education Ministry in May, asking the discrepancy be looked at and corrected. The response was prompt. As of September, all Girl Guides eligible for high school graduation credit will receive the same number of credits as students in other programs. They were very collaborative and very keen to help us resolve this. And so they came to us very quickly within about a week and said, how can we help you fix this? In a statement, the ministry said it has recognized and offered two graduation credits for the Girl Guides as part of the external credentials program. After a detailed review, we are pleased to respond to their request by changing the credit value from two to four. I would call this a huge victory. It's a victory for girls. It's a victory for um, young women that are achieving big things. Uh, they put so many hours into bettering their communities and doing what we call creating a better world by girls. Girl Guide members have been receiving high school credit since 1998. It's unclear how many girls got fewer credits under the old system. But moving forward, the group says it's a positive step to see more equality when it comes to youth organizations. Jill Bennett, Global News. A somber ceremony in Surrey today honoring the victims of the opioid crisis and highlighting the need for change. Fraser Health Harm Reduction and Aboriginal Health Teams partnered with the Kwantlen First Nation to honor the 520 people who have died of drug overdose last year. Indigenous people are disproportionately affected by the opioid crisis, with First Nations residents four times more likely to die of an overdose compared to other British Columbians. Today, individual chrome pins, each representing a life lost, were placed on a ceremonial blanket to honor those who had passed. Well, summer is the time for sidewalk lemonade stands, but the one operated by a group of Greater Victoria children is a business venture with a difference. As Kylie Stanton reports, they're raising money for a family whose summer was shattered by a sudden tragic loss. It looks like a summer roadside stand you'd find anywhere. Come and get it! Yet here, in this quiet Saanich neighborhood, people are pouring in from all over. It's very good, and it's cold. <laughs> but it's not what this group is selling. Lemonade! Cookies! Yay! It's why they're selling it. Yeah, it's pretty sad. These small but mighty entrepreneurs are out here working, honoring a neighbor gone too soon. His name is Carter. He was really nice and kind. Nine-year-old Carter Bonsdorf passed away earlier this month after suffering a major medical event. A blockage that started in his intestine eventually led to a cardiac arrest. Oh, it's a terrible situation for sure. Um, I, I've never heard of anything so, anybody so young 
this kind of thing happening to. As the news made its way through the community, Carter's friends decided to rally. In a way, only kids know how. Went to the fridge, grabbed some lemons, was like, I'm going to make lemonade. It's hard to get over the sad stuff, so the fact that they got out here so quickly, um, it's really impressive. 90. What's even more impressive... 110, 140, 160. The money they've managed to raise. A little bit over 2400 in four days. And we just made another $100 in cash. That will be added to what's already been raised online, which will help to close in on the GoFundMe goal of $25,000. But for these kids, it's also about healing. We're just trying to help them to like move them along. It's made me feel way better. Iced tea, lemonade. They plan to keep turning lemons into lemonade as long as the customers keep coming. A bittersweet gesture as they say goodbye to a friend. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. B.C. is about to get 800 more hectares of protected, pristine wilderness thanks to a successful crowdfunding effort. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the B.C. Parks Foundation got support from all over the globe to raise enough money to buy the coastal property just in the nick of time. You can only get to Princess Louisa Inlet up the B.C. coast two ways, by float plane or boat. And yet, 10,000 people manage to come here each year. It's almost like a mecca. Like, it's, it's, there's something spiritual about it. There's something incredible about it. But this resplendent fjord was in danger of being marred by logging when three parcels of land came up for sale two months ago. That was when the BC Parks Foundation stepped in. The vendor offered to sell the land to them for $3 million, but only if they could come up with the money by the end of August. British Columbians, people from across the country, people in Washington, we had people from Japan, Germany, started to reach out. And people said, you know, we saw you on Global and we want to we contribute. And so it was that they reached their goal of $3 million and with a few days to spare. Some of the 1,000 contributions were large, but many more were small. And it's a story of, of pensioners writing us checks for $10 saying, this is all I can contribute, but, you know, I really, I really love what you're doing. As a result, Princess Louisa Inlet will remain one of our coast's most spectacular wilderness jewels. My first message to everyone was, you did it. You, you did it. It's just such a, a beautiful story of, of what people can do when they come together around their shared passion. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. That is definitely beautiful. Got to get there someday. Mm -hmm. Well, you only have a few days left to check out this year's fair at the PNE. That's right. Our Christy Gordon is there tonight, ready to be hypnotized. Christy? <laughs> I don't think he'll have time to hypnotize me right now, but the legend continues due to with the incredible ravine, second generation, sold out shows all across the country, and a great reviews of your show here. Tell us, how do you outdo your dad's show? Well, I don't try to outdo him, but I am part of him, and he was everything he taught me, everything I know. I evolved from what he taught me. Your show is really funny also, I hear. World's funniest and most amazing stage show. We're famous for that. High-impact special effects. Magically hypnotic for all ages. And you're also telling me you really want people to be there right at the beginning. You don't want to miss the beginning of the show, you don't want to miss the ending of the show, and you're going to love everything in between. P 
P&E has made sure they bought in the big gun, so you'll come and see this. <laughs> That's right. The Ravine Show. It is on every night at 7.30. It's free with your admission. Wow. And <laughs> wow. You're Very saving a lot lucky. of money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, come on down. Check out Ravine. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Tyrone Ravine, everyone. And I'll throw it back to you guys. Uh, the sun has disappeared a little bit, but not for long. Thanks, and good luck tonight. Thank you, dear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. His dad touched my head at a show when I was in kindergarten, and I still remember it. And, and I, was not hypnotized. Hypnotized. I was not hypnotized. I was not hypnotized. So you think. Spectacular new video from the International Space Station of Hurricane Dorian as it edges closer to the northwestern Bahamas. The massive storm just upgraded to a Category 4 is also making its way toward the most populated part of the east coast of Florida. Now, at this point, no one really knows whether Dorian will just brush Florida with a glancing blow or pile into it head on. Regardless, locals are being urged to prepare for the worst and thousands of residents and tourists are getting out. I'm Morgan Chesky in Miami, where Dorian's already wreaking havoc by land, sea, and air on a busy holiday weekend. We're leaving today, so we're going to be gone before it even thinks about hitting. Flights filling up statewide as many cut their trips here short or cancel them altogether. How excited are you to get back home to Tennessee? Man, words can't explain. On the roads, no mandatory evacuations yet, but drivers getting ready, though finding fuel in short supply. Florida's governor saying half of Miami stations have already run empty. Uh, we're constantly having trucks uh, being refueled at the ports and then going to fill up these tanks at the gas stations. For popular resorts, the plan is to watch and wait. Universal Orlando is open for now. The same goes for Disney World, as crowds today swarm the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge attraction. On the water, cruise lines aren't taking any chances. Carnival canceling and rerouting trips to the Bahamas, along with Royal Caribbean. And back at Miami International, the countdown is on. Nerves on edge for anyone getting out of town before Dorian blows in. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, prepare and just have to be safe, pray, and hope that when it passes by, it don't harm many houses, many people, and we can get through it. Hollywood is mourning the loss of one of television's most beloved actresses. Valerie Harper, best known as Rhoda Morgenstern on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, died today at the age of 80. To family and friends, she was Valerie. But for TV fans... My name is Rhoda Morgenstern. She'll always be Rhoda. Get out of my apartment! No, no, cottage cheese sauce, nothing. Chocolate can do it all. A wisecracking girl from the Bronx who befriended her sweet-natured Minneapolis neighbor, Mary Richards, on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. She was gutsy. She was tough. In spite of everything, you're really a pretty hard person to dislike. I know what you mean. I'm having a hard time hating you, too. That 1970 debut was Harper's first major TV acting role. It was the most wonderful character to come along for anyone to play ever, and I was lucky enough to get cast in it. The New York native had grown up wanting to be a ballerina. She even danced at Radio City Music Hall at the age of 16. But Harper's comedic talents took her to stardom. That dress! You like it? Of course! I like it! I'm wearing it! She won three Emmys on the Mary Tyler Moore Show and another one on her spin-off show, Rhoda. That series was a hit on its own. It was this one weirdo trying to write graffiti on me. 52 million people tuned in for the wedding episode where Rhoda finally got a husband. 
After Rhoda, Harper starred as a mom in the sitcom Valerie and appeared in several films. In recent years, Broadway was home, including a Tony-nominated role as actress Tallulah Bankhead in Looped. But in January of 2013, as Harper was about to release her autobiography, I, Rhoda, she was diagnosed with a rare form of incurable brain cancer. Incurable is a tough word. So is terminal. Doctors only gave Harper months to live, but she vowed to stay optimistic. I have an intention to live each moment fully. Of course I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about all the old times, weren't you? They were good times. It's Harper's moments playing Rhoda that will be her enduring legacy. Mary Richards may have turned the world on with her smile, but her best pal made it laugh. Mark Barger, NBC News. And in Health Matters tonight, Jeopardy! host Alex Trebek is back at work and has some good news about his battle with pancreatic cancer. I've gone through a lot of chemotherapy, and thankfully that is now over. I'm on the mend, and that's all I can look for right now. The 79-year-old says his chemo treatment is finished, and he's now taping the 36th season of the show. That's just five months after Trebek first announced his cancer diagnosis. At the time, he said he planned to beat the low survival rate with the love and support of family and friends, and with prayers from viewers. A bear cub desperately tries to get up into a dumpster in California. After the forecast, the surprising reason it was so determined. But just ahead of Christie, an innovative new partial solution to the critical shortage of student housing at UBC. Sonia Deal visited the school's new nano suites and the students who live there. Clean, affordable campus condos that are the very definition of cozy. UBC student Hilton Nguyen is getting ready for another year back at campus, except this time... There's, there's not a lot of space. He's going to be living in this, one of 71 self-contained units that are 144 square feet. That's the same size as a parking stool. Uh, push back and you just pull down. And voila. This is a corner shower. You can't even stretch your arms out completely, right? With a and washroom, yeah, kitchen area, and so tiny is, closet know, space for guy, clothes. So. I've installed some extra, like, command hooks. It's UBC's compact solution to students finding affordable housing. A smaller place means a smaller price tag. They're less expensive to build, and that savings gets transferred to what we're charging on rent. So the students that are residing in those places are paying about $700 per month versus a standard studio at about 10.50. The challenge to find affordable housing in Vancouver, not just one for students, but they are being hit the hardest, according to some experts who say rents are crippling them more than tuition fees. And around our major universities, those sometimes are the most expensive places for housing. Think about what's going on around Kitts and Dunbar and, so, and whatnot. Those are some of the most challenging places to try and find rent. So you're moving further and further from where you actually study, and then you're incurring the transit costs. Which is why living on campus is so in demand. UBC has more students living in residence than any other Canadian university. But despite 12,000 beds and a new building opening this summer, the waitlist they're dealing with is longer than ever. Uh, our waitlist this year are about 6,000 students at the peak. So right, right now at this time of year, we have about 6,000 students that would like to live on campus that we don't have capacity for. UBC aiming to build more of these nano suites if the feedback is good. This is all you really need as a student, right? A lot of my friends are actually pretty jealous.
because I, th I think that's the biggest deal because you save so much money, right? Still leaving thousands scrambling to find an affordable place to live. And the fact that a space as tiny as this still costs $700 a month. <laughs> that's it. Sonia Diol, Global News. I mean, it's not a lot to clean then. That's true. It's smaller. But I, I'm worried I looked at that last shot. I think my legs would be hanging out the window <laughs> if I was sleeping on that bed. Uh, okay, let's check in with Christy. Some hope in the forecast that we're getting back to some sunshine. Here's Christy down at PE. Thanks, Chris. There's still, and Sophie, we still have a chance of showers uh, throughout the weekend. But yes, some hope in the forecast, that's for sure. First, though, I want to talk about Hurricane Dorian. Just in the last few moments, it has been upgraded to a Category 4 with winds up to 215 gusts, 220 kilometers an hour. Now, it is moving at a decent clip right now. It is expected to cross the Bahamas as a Category 4. But as it approaches Florida, it's expected to slow down. And when that happens, it will still be a strong or it's expected to be still a strong category four but when it slows down it has the ability to dump a ton of rain onto the coastal regions so that is one of the biggest concern not just the winds but the rainfall and then it's going to track towards the north there is a chance that it tracks towards the north just off the coast that would be a good news scenario but if it doesn't we could see rainfall amounts up to 264 millimeters that's uh, more than 10 uh, inches of rainfall in some areas now, meanwhile, our region, it was drizzly this morning, really muggy. Tomorrow, we've got a brighter day on the way. However, we're still expecting a fair amount of cloud to start with and again towards the end of the day with a slight chance of showers tomorrow evening. More so, it's going to be on Sunday that we're expecting showers for the lower mainland. Vancouver Island, though, you can expect showers tomorrow and that's the same for the Sunshine Coast. So, uh, lower mainland showers into our Sunday morning. That's the big, biggest chance for showers here. Saturday, though, sunshine across the north, across the south, partly cloudy, a slight risk of a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon, mainly cloudy across the south coast, showers for Vancouver Island and the Sunshine Coast, but for Metro Vancouver, likely overnight Saturday into Sunday morning, but Monday looks to be the brightest day, although there'll be some sunshine in there throughout the long weekend. So a little hit and miss this weekend with holiday Monday wrapping it up, but just before the kids go back to school, the sun comes back out, and of course, that's the last day of the PE, so it'll be great down here for anyone wants to come and join us mm. all right great thanks christy thanks a lot christy a california sheriff's department had to come to the rescue after a mother bear and her cub were spotted hanging around a dumpster pretty reluctant to leave with mother standing by the cub tried to climb up into the dumpster again workers in the area called police who quickly realized why the two were refusing to leave. They carefully opened the dumpster and lowered down a ladder. And not long after that, another cub climbed out. It had become trapped in the dumpster when the lid slammed shut. So after Aww. the reunion, they all scurried off. Poor little cool. guy. See, to those guys, a dumpster is like a smorgasbord. That's, That's right. Yeah. That's beautiful eating. Keep them locked. All right, Squire's here with uh, sports. Looking forward to seeing your shenanigans a little bit later, but we'll uh, play it straight for a moment. I will say this. We clean up really good. Yes, you do. Well, we have to. Uh, okay, with a fire hose after the way I went out of there. Uh, the uh, Whitecaps have had a tough enough time winning games this season. They don't need the opposition to be given an advantage as well. But New York FC, who play at BC Place tomorrow against the Whitecaps, will be 
the way more rested team in this game, even though they're on the road all the way from New York because the Whitecaps played last weekend in San Jose. Then they had to fly all the way to Montreal to play Wednesday and then fly home to face New York. And I can tell you, Mark DeSantos is not happy that they were there waiting for them. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I think, uh, I think it's ridiculous. Um, so we're going into a game where New York has more preparation, where New York has more rest, um, and where, where New York traveled better. Uh, and it's going to take absolutely everything from us to get the result we want to get. He's an honest man. Serena Williams against Karolina Machova of the Czech Republic. U.S. Open third round. First set, Serena. Chasing down the drop shot in the shadow. Won the first set. Six to three. Too much. Second set, pretty easy for Serena. Forehand winner here. Took an hour, 14 minutes. 6-3, 6-2. She's on to the final 16. Bianca Andreescu plays tomorrow against Wozniacki. All right. Roger Federer against England's Daniel Evans. First set, Federer moving well. I don't think this guy ever ages. The fountain of youth somehow exists in a place that he, Djokovic, and Nadal know about, but nobody else does. Won the first set 6-2, took the second set 6-2, third set. I love that backhand by Federer. Just a one-handed big reach, big power, big spin, big everything. 6-2, 6-2, 6-1, Shapovalov plays tomorrow against Gael Monfils. On a football team that hasn't had a lot of things to feel good about for a good number of years, SFU does have a very happy story to tell as they head into this coming season. It's a feel-good story that just keeps getting better at SFU. Just five months ago, Christy Elliott was finishing up her first year at Simon Fraser on the track team as a hurdler but she boasted to her football team friends that she could kick a 40-yard field goal and would prove it if they put some money on the line. And wouldn't you know it. All the track guys were like, no, you can't do it. I was like, I just did it. That video got the attention of SFU football coach Thomas Ford, and he ended up getting a meeting with Christy. I go to his office one day, he's like, like, what do you want out of this? I'm like, coach, I don't know anything about football. And I still don't right now. I'm still learning. <laughs> Half the time, I don't know what's happening. Um, but I was like, this could be like a really good opportunity um, for me to grow and just learn something new. And I'm up for new adventures. So I was like, I can't pass up this opportunity. And now we're here. Here we are. Five months later, Christy Elliott is on the football team. She spent the summer with a kicking coach to give this a realistic shot. Don't forget, she's never even played a high school football game before, and here she is in the NCAA. Um, this isn't a gimmick. If, if she couldn't do this and she couldn't do it well, she would not be on our football team. And, and for us, you know, she might not kick a 52-yarder to win the game. If we need to kick something inside a 30, we're, we're good. Uh, we feel very confident of putting Christy in the game. If she was an internet sensation for the 40-yard kick, she became a sensation with her teammates when recently the coach offered his team a decision. Trust Christy to make a 30-yarder, and they wouldn't have to do post-practice running laps. But if she misses, 
you do double. The team chose Christy. There's something to be said about team spirit, and this SFU team has taken enough beatings over the years where something as uplifting as this can make a real difference. It brought new life into like this old soul, so like I really appreciated her, and um, yeah, it just inspires me to see just her doing things that you know are usually not. It's not the norm, right? So it's really cool. A couple days ago, some girl like messaged me and was just like, I look up to you. This is really cool what you're doing, which is like really touching because like for me, like it's not a big deal at all. I'm just going out here to compete and um, be part of the team. But for other people that are like watching this, it, it's kind of cool to be like kind of a role model to them. That's a great story. This is the last pass Luke Wilson caught as an Oakland Raider last night against his old team, the Seahawks. He was released by the Raiders today as every team gets down to the final 53-man roster, but Wilson should be able to catch on with another team in the not-too-distant future as a backup at least. A friend of Global Television. We've had him yeah, around here good. a few times. Good guy. Good. Played football with him last year. I love that um, SFU story. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's so brilliant. She's got a nice... I mean, she was a track. I mean, she played some soccer as a kid, but it's mm -hmm. not like when we saw Carly Lloyd kick that long field goal at yeah. the Eagles yeah. camp. Well, that's a professional soccer player yeah. doing it, but this is not. There you well go. done. Good, good luck this season. So three years ago, yeah. it began. And a weird idea that you guys had to see if you could, what, you were doing makeup and you were... Eating yeah. something. Chili, actually. I, Chili. Inspired by Japanese. By a Korean television show where they did it on a roller coaster. Um, and I thought this is a one-off. But apparently it just grew. It keeps going. And now there are sequels to our little <laughs> movie from two years ago. <laughs> All right. So we did it the first year with... Makeup. And makeup and Tim Hortons Chili. Last year we had that foot-long hot dog with the macaroni. Mustard. It was delicious. And then we washed it down with some sort of, some I don't sort know, of strawberry thing. Virgin Bellini. Strawberry drink. This year we've stepped it up. We have a... Well, we think we have. We have a root beer float, which is melting in the hot sun, so it's perfect. And oh, we have boy. very peony-ish ribs from, I think, Gator Barbecue. Okay. I gotta say, this thing, this thing in the middle is rather dangerous. But yeah. outside of that, and these ribs... There's a lot of them, and they're big. I need all of those. All right. Lock it in. All right. As the Rolling Stones said, start me up. Quote, to the big dance, please keep your hands and feet inside. Part of the ride is motion. Enjoy your ride. Ribbit! Ribbit! Oh, my God! Wait, no, I already ate that one.
The problem was, I fumbled the box of ribs rather early in the proceedings. You did, but I still we still had a couple. We had enough ribs to, well, there's still a little bit left. There's some in my lap if you'd like to. I, uh, yeah, okay, that seems odd, but sure, why not? Uh, I'm still eating the ribs that fell in And there are ribs all over this car. Is that gross? It is gross if we eat them. But it's not gross if we just walk away and let the hazmat team take over. You remained remarkably clean in a white t-shirt. Someone who wore a white t-shirt. Well, I think the, the problem was moi. <laughs> draw. I, I should have put the ribs in my lap. They were, they were, like, they were, they were wonderful ribs. They taste really great. Good. Too many, boys. There were too, <laughs> there were too many. I could not control. They're still cleaning up the barbecue they sauce. Yeah. We will miss you. Oh, I we will miss you. Miss you already. After, already. after that experience, you're going to go to the hospital now for two weeks. Have a great long weekend, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>